Uh, discipleship, we, you know, is, is basically to, to follow. Uh, a disciple uh, is, is someone who uh, is a, a student or a pupil um, or a mentee, if you will. Um, biblical discipleship also involves a following involved. There's actually not just a, a head knowledge that goes on, but an everyday walking out that takes place in discipleship. Um, that's who we are as disciples of Jesus. And, and I just want to kind of start with this thought this morning. The Jesus that we've been singing about today, the one who came as an infant, came and stepped into this world, who lived a, a sinless life, was the spotless Lamb of God, fulfilled the Old Testament law, all the requirements of the law and, and Jewish culture, fulfilled all of that as he went to the cross and as he was sacrificed for the sins of the world. This same Jesus then, who three days later rose again and ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of the Father. The question or the thought I want to bring to you this morning is that if that's all there is, then why did Jesus just leave it at that? Why didn't he just come as a, spot, as a sinless baby, live a sinless life, go to the cross, rise again, ascend into heaven? Bob's your uncle. The kingdom of God has come. We get to hear the good news. We get to respond to that and look forward to an eternity in heaven as well. I'm actually leaving out some stuff there. And that is what Jesus did while he was here on earth. You see, Jesus didn't have to. He could have done that. He could have done all that that I've just shared. And Bob's your uncle. The kingdom of God is here. Salvation is possible. We get eternity to look forward to. But actually, he did some stuff on the way to the cross. See, Jesus came onto the scene in Galilee, where he started his public ministry, and he said to a few blokes, follow me. He called his disciples to him. He selected certain ones, but we know from the Gospels that there were others, a greater crowd that also followed him. But in those selected ones, the 12, Jesus invested a great deal of time, attention, and energy. Why? He didn't have to. In order to be the sinless, the spotless lamb of God, to fulfill all, uh, all the Old Testament requirements and to go to the cross, he didn't have to invest anything in anyone while he was here on earth. You think about it. Did he? And not only the 12, but actually specifically the three. Peter, James, and John, we read in the Gospels that you know, he, he invests even more time into those guys, a concentrated amount of time into the 12, and then the rest is like, well, we've got the crowds. In fact, whenever the crowds seemed to come around Jesus, it was almost like it hindered his mission. He'd heal a few, cast out a few demons, you know, give some, some cool teaching, but then his gold, his main um, objective was actually investing in to the lives of the 12. And if that's what Jesus did, if that was his modus operandi for establishing the kingdom of God on earth, 
then as his church, as his body of Christ today, shouldn't we be on about the same business? What is it that we can find from the ways of Jesus, the way that he established the kingdom of God, the way that he built um, the body of Christ, that very early Jesus community, what is it about that that we can actually pay attention to and begin to implement? Well, not only begin, but carry on implementing what he has begun. Just throw up that, um, that graphic, Tim, if you don't mind. This is a graphic that Karen Webster sent me through the week. It's um, from an author called Peter Scazzaro. I hope I've said that right. He's written a couple of books, Emotional Healthy Leadership, Emotional Healthy um, Spiritual Spirituality, and uh, this is his new book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And he's captured a, a pretty amazing truth here. Our modern-day discipleship um, with the funnel up tends to look like attend, connect, serve, and if there's any time left, we go. Jesus' discipleship strategy was about face. Invest in the three. Invest in the 12. Invest in the 70, the 500, and watch them be poured out over the earth. I love what we do and who we are as church. I love it. We come together after a week. Some, sometimes we've had the crappiest week we've had in all of our lives. We get to church and we get to enter into the presence of God, experience his wholeness again, be reminded of who he is and who we are and be refreshed. We, we even get to do work as we exalt his name, as we come around the throne of God. And I'm not taking anything away from those things. They are of paramount importance. But as we worship God, as we come in his name, it's also toward going, leading to something else in our lives, that we are filled up, that we are um, led, that we are discipled as, so that we may follow him even more clearly in our day-to-day lives. Just like some of the testimonies we heard, like Gary praying for that guy, taking the opportunity, Judy, you know, and, and more and more, we're hearing those stories and, and we've, we're finding that, you know, just the pleasure of God as we go about in our community, as we get to just spend time with people and be discipled by the Holy Spirit hey, and bring about his kingdom on earth. Let me just quickly this morning just share a couple of thoughts. Um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 9 and um, we'll just get some highlights from there. Um, because this is Jesus calling his 12 disciples to him. And the first example we have of him sending them out. Okay. You guys remember that Jesus comes onto the scene. He is announcing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come. All right, the kingdom of God is near. And as he calls his first disciples, then in the early parts of the, the Gospels, we have him healing the sick, preaching the good news, casting out demons, doing the stuff of the kingdom. And his disciples have been along for the ride, and now he's sending them out. He's going, okay, guys, you go and do the stuff. So just quickly, I want to look at the – I'm a kind of a – you know, who, what, when, how, 
sort of guy. So I'd like to have a look at those those thoughts. And uh, Luke chapter 9. So when Jesus had called the 12 together, so who's he talking about? We've got the 12, okay, the disciples, um, the 12 closest followers of Jesus. When is this happening? Well, it's going when Jesus had called them together. Let's have a look at the context, what has been happening. The very prior, previous episode, Jesus has healed the dead girl. All right, you remember the story? He's on his way to the house of Jairus. And, uh, and the, the woman with the issue of blood comes out. He heals her. He's on his way. Someone says, don't bother the teacher anymore. The, the girl has died. He says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Goes into the house. Takes no one with him except for the three, Peter, James, and John. There's a training, in, a training opportunity here. Raises the dead girl back to life. And then we've got this, this episode here. So when Jesus had called the 12 together... The 12, it's interesting because as we look through Luke's gospel, we've seen that Jesus has already designated these guys as apostles. All right? Apostles meaning the sent ones. So he, there's this rhythm in the gospels here of following Jesus and being sent out. Following Jesus and being sent out. And the 12 here have been those who have been named as apostles, the sent ones of Jesus. But here they are coming back around Jesus as disciples, the followers. Okay, So that's the who, that's the when. The what, he says, I'll give you um, power and authority. And then down in verse 6, he says that they went out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So the what is that they're preaching the gospel, they're healing people everywhere, they've got power and authority. And the where, in verse 2, it says, he sent them out. They weren't sticking around. Um, they weren't just, you know, having their own company, um, doing their normal kind of stuff, activity. But he sent them out. So we've got the when, the who, the what, the where, and the how here. I just want to pull a couple of things out here. In the red writing, Jesus' words. Okay. Firstly, I want to say the how. The fact that he gave them power and authority. Now, you've got to remember, this is before the day of Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit has been given. And Jesus now is giving his apostles slash disciples, the sent ones and the followers, he's giving them his power and authority. Anything that we do in the name of Jesus has first got to flow from an awareness, an acknowledgement of his power and his authority. It's not of our own making. It comes from him. He does the heavy lifting. And then he gives them some pretty simple instructions here. Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave the town as a testimony against them. So a few things here in as far as the how according to Jesus' instructions here to the disciples. Basically, and you've heard it say me, you've heard me say this before, uh, keep it simple, saints. Take nothing extra. All right, just take yourselves. The message version of this um, verse says, um, take no extra equipment. You are the equipment. (laughs) 
You are the equipment. We don't need doctorates in theology. You don't need to have all the apologetics all lined up in, in your understanding of who God is and who Jesus is and what he's done. It's you. You are seated with Christ, as Josie reminded us. Okay, He is in you. We don't have to work for that. It's a done deal. So you are the equipment. I am the equipment. We are the equipment as we go. Keep it simple, saints. The second thing is to make space. Make space. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Make space for relationship. When Jesus later sends out the 72, he says, if, if a man of, of peace resides there, let your peace rest on him and stay in that house. Don't, in other words, don't go from house to house. And, and we can take a, a very similar principle for our lives as well. As we are going in simplicity, we are the equipment. How, how much space are we making in our lives in order just to be? Or, or do we fill our schedules and our lives with, with a lot of going to in and froing, back and forth? How much, how much time do we give to just simply spend time with, with those in our orbit? with the man or the woman of peace in our lives, those who are perhaps not yet really recognizing Jesus as Lord but, but are open to the things of God, those who are on a spiritual journey. You know, this is a, this is a, a gospel principle here that, that we can actually make space, make room in our lives to share. Thanks, Lee. Thank you so much. Just whack it there, mate. That's old notes. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, so... Make space simple, yeah. And the third thing I want to pull out of there, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here, is that if people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. Again, you know, if, if people reject the message that you carry and the life that you carry in Jesus, let's, let's not take it personally. It's okay. You know, we, we are learning to handle rejection better. Because the opinions of man don't matter so much when we are in Christ, when we know whose son and whose daughter we, we are. So keep good boundaries. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. Hey, man, my door's always open. I understand that um, maybe now is not the right time for you to do an alpha course. That's okay. The door's always open. Uh, sure, you know... I'd love to chat with you about, you know, um, my faith. But if you're not ready to hear that, then that's, that's cool as well. Tell me, tell me about your faith. Oh, you don't want to tell me about that either? That's okay as well. Yeah. But my door's always open. Yeah. We keep good boundaries. And so he sends the 12 out from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. All right, I know I said that that last point was going to be my, my last, but this is it. All right, this is it. Because this is what drew me to this passage in the first place when I read it. Okay, moving on here, verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed. Let me just stop right there. This is in the context of the 12 being sent out, going from village to village, doing the stuff. They're healing the sick, they're casting out demons, they're pro proclaiming the kingdom of God. What does Herod hear about? He hears about the disciples 
doing the stuff. At this point, it's not about Jesus doing the stuff. It's actually the 12 that are doing the stuff. You understand what I'm saying? You know, when the people of God are doing the stuff of the kingdom of God, (laughs) the powers of this world become perplexed. They become confused. They don't know what's going on. It's like that scene from that old movie Zorro. You guys remember that? Zorro, the, the swordsman, okay? I don't know how I remembered this. I saw this when I was a kid, but there's some scene at the end of the movie where all the townspeople dress up as Zorro. Is that right? Am I getting this right? I don't know. Maybe it's the three amigos I'm thinking of. <laughs> but the, the, the point is that the people of the town as they dress up like the three amigos or like Zorro, the enemies of God, you know, the, 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 the powers of this world are perplexed. They don't know who Zorro actually is because it's happening everywhere. This is the nature of the kingdom of God. The funnel is to be turned upside down. Hey, as, as, we, as we learn to be discipled, And as we learn to disciple one another, and not only one another, but those in our orbit, as we we enter into relationship with people of peace in our life and begin to disciple them toward faith, then the powers of this world get perplexed, like, wow, what's going on there? And the stuff, healing the sick, casting out demons, who doesn't want to see more of the stuff? We want to see more of the stuff, hey. We want to see more of the stuff. And so Herod's going, what's going on here? And, and then people are saying, well, it was John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, other than Elijah had come. And he's going, I beheaded John. What is it? And he's trying, he's trying to see him. So this morning, as I wrap up, <laughs> let me just remind us, that we are enough in Christ. We don't need any extra equipment. You are the equipment. And as you go into this world, make space for those in your orbit, in your natural orbit. Keep it simple. You know, the, the, the stuff of the kingdom is supernaturally natural. You think about breathing is a, is real, I mean, that's a, when, I, when we breathe, that's like a, a supernatural occurrence going on there, but it's natural. Who can fathom what's going on in our body as we breathe? As we go and make space in our lives for those who are people of peace in our lives who are, who are, who are you know, wanting to know God but don't really know yet know how. That, that by being with them, by speaking truth to their lives, by carrying the hope that God has given to us by exhibiting natural joy. That's the other thing I wanted to pull out of this. When they come back, there's joy going all over the place here. There's joy when we see the kingdom expand. There's joy when the lost come into the embrace of a loving father. There's joy that we get to experience. And we know that, don't we? <laughs> we know that. Father, we, uh, we thank you, God, for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you do the heavy lifting. Father God, that as we go, that we go in no other power and authority but that which you have given us and how freely you give it to us, Lord. So right now, Father, I pray for anyone who's wondering how to go. 
Lord God, or, or where to go. Lord, I, I, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, just to speak, speak clearly. Fill our hearts with the hope and the joy that you bring. Father God, that you would make way. You are the way maker. And Lord, we ask for the harvest, for the fields that are out there, Lord God, of the hurt and the broken and the lost. Father, we ask that you would send harvest hands. And Lord, even as we pray that, we are aware, Lord God, that you call us to also go. Lord, we thank you. Send us. Lord, send us naturally. Send us supernaturally, Lord. We ask that our eyes would see more of the stuff of your kingdom, Lord. Lord, miracles, signs and wonders. Father God, hearts that are being made whole in relationship with you. Teach us, we pray, Lord God. May you get the glory out of all of this. In Jesus' name. Amen.